The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. Hey everybody and welcome to episode number 33 of Yo MTG Taps. This is Joey Pasco. I'm here with Big Head Joe who is uh, wrapped up in the pleasures of the world over there munching on cookies. Speak to me in a language I can hear mm. or understand. All right? mm. So, hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husbands because MTVG Taps is ripping everybody around here. Did you say MTG, MTG Taps? I said MTV, MTG. Because <laughs> I screwed up. Fair enough. So, uh, today I think we have some odds and ends to cover, like just a couple things. I wanted to talk about, again, um, we got a lot of responses to the gambling issue that we had, uh, that we had brought up last week. Uh, the DQ of Drew Levin, who was DQ'd for uh, admitting to gambling, even though he, he may have been joking. Um... I think, just to start off with that, I guess, um, I understand the issue a lot more now than I did after getting uh, some different responses and reading a little more about it. Um, My main issue was that I didn't really understand why gambling in general, not just in magic, was even an issue. But I didn't really put a lot of thought into it myself because I guess, and we we mentioned this back in like episode 5, about how we kind of, I think we're just more... We're not even looking for these kinds of loopholes, like to try to take advantage of of the system and and you know uh, just kind of cheat the game or cheat the system. So it didn't even occur to me the fact that people could be like, "Well, I'm going to bet on myself, and I'm going to tell you that I bet on myself, and I'll split the the money with you if you just scoop to me, right? Mm. Or I can bet against myself and tell you, and, and just and just lose intentionally, right? Just so it's like. You know, I can do that, or or anything. Even even if we were to say, even if I were to bet on you against Gary and tell Gary that I'd give him money if he scooped to you, you know, something like that. So it's like people can do all this kind of stuff, and that that sort of thing just doesn't occur to me. Mm-hmm. I see gambling as black and white. Like you think this person's going to win, and and I think this person's going to win, and we bet and. The result is pure, and the gambling is pure, and that's my thoughts on gambling. Obviously, obviously you don't gamble very often. Exactly. I don't. I don't I'm not a gambling type right. person. So, so, yeah. So, that that now that I understand all the, you know, the people who may have a, who may just be corrupt, or the people who may not be necessarily corrupt, but have a momentary lapse of integrity that actually ruin it for everybody. So, like, I think if gambling... Were to stay, were to be as pure as I said, maybe it wouldn't be such a problem. But yeah, so so I understand. We got a lot of responses to the gambling thing, and um, and of course, being that you know, Wizards doesn't want the game to be seen in a negative light um, as gambling. It's need, it's meant to be seen as a game of skill. Right. Even though the luck is involved, it's it's not a major factor in the game. Um, I mean, and like Drew Levin wrote. Like basically an an introspective article about it, you know about the situation, and apparently Craig Wesco thought that those were sympathies he was ready to return, so he wrote um, another an apology article. Right, that's right. I wanted to mention that Craig actually um, he he was uh, apparently he feels he was mistaken as to his what his role was in that situation. Basically, what happened was. 
his opponent, the match had finished, and his opponent made a comment about gambling. And according to the rule book, if your opponent during the match says something like that, you are it's mandatory that you say something to a judge, and right. you can get in trouble. You can you can have repercussions if you don't say something to a judge. But once the match is over. Apparently, you're both you're immediately both spectators, spectators, right? Right. So spectators are not uh, mandatory, right? It's not mandatory for a spectator to report something to a judge. So he uh, that was you know it's kind of like a splitting hairs there, like yeah. Oh, the game's over now. We're spectators, and now you say that, so now I don't have to report it. But that doesn't necessarily um, mean that he shouldn't have said anything. Just that he didn't have to. And he felt that he had to. He thought that he had to, and that—that's why his. Apparently, that's why he wrote this apology. Um, so, anyway, that's that's the uh, the gambling controversy kind of wrapped up. I don't know that we're going to hear too much more about this particular instance unless something else were to occur. Um, I want to talk about something serious because it's like towards the beginning of the podcast, and I really want to like address it now. Yeah, go I ahead. Want it to be on the beginning of the podcast. Okay. Um, so I placed. I sold cards to White Lion Games uh, back on like June third, mm-hmm. right? And I and it's now August whatever, ninth, ninth. August 9th, and I still haven't received a check from them. Um, and like they haven't. The last time I wrote them was the twenty eighth, and they haven't wrote me back since. I was like, hey, it's the twenty eighth. I still haven't seen a check. I need another check. You know, if you've already sent one, send it, and I will you know tear up the second one if I get it. You know what I mean? Right. Never, never heard back from them in ten days. I'm very upset. I emailed the guy who runs Bidwicket. Was like, is there something I can do about this? Because like, I'm really upset. Yeah, and uh, see, we strange uh, coincidentally, both of us happened to sell cards to White Lion Games in June, sometime around. Uh, I guess right around the same time. Yours might have been earlier than mine. I don't remember. I had sold some cards and just placed like a, I guess a trade order because rather than just getting money, I just grabbed some fetch lands. I, I received an email like a week later or something saying, we haven't received these cards that you you sent us, that you said you were trading in. Please, you know, send them in or the order is going to be canceled. And I think that's like an automated thing from Bidwicket. Um, right. And, and and I, I, had, I received that and I, I had already shipped the cards out, so I tracked it. I, I had gotten delivery confirmation with tracking, and so I tracked it. And it said that they had received the cards the day, pre, like, before I received the email. So, like, I think I received the email on a Tuesday, and it said that they had gotten them, they had been delivered on Monday. So, I wrote back saying, hey, uh, I just got this email. It says you guys didn't get this stuff, but the confirmation number, the the tracking number says you did. Um, So, you know, just let me know that you received it, because I sent them. And um, I feel like a couple days went by, and I see, I don't want to, I don't want to mess up the story, but there, I believe there were a couple of days that went by and, and nothing. I didn't get a reply or anything. So I wrote again saying, hey, you know, it's like Saturday or Friday night. I sent you guys this email. I just want to make sure you guys got the cards. And then, like, within a day, he wrote back saying, we're, we haven't located them. We're looking. And then he said, I'll get back to you tomorrow. And so the next day went by. And I think maybe one or two days went by and I didn't get a reply. So I wrote back saying, hey, did you find these? To be honest, I'm a little bit frustrated because... You, you know, I emailed you last Monday, maybe, you know, 10 days ago and didn't get a reply for like four or five, six days until I had to email you a second time. And then, you know, then your, uh, 
you're telling me you're going to get back to me the next day and you didn't and it's like it's fine but i just want to know like did my cards get there i don't know you know i don't know what what the holdup is and he was saying we are literally like turning the store upside down looking for these cards i don't think he said literally but you know he said we're we're looking all over the place we can't find them anywhere and you know i could see like he was kind of frustrated too he wrote me back like right away after that email and this is in the middle of the night so you know, he said, I don't know what I can do. This isn't, this hasn't happened before. I see that it says it was delivered, but we don't have them. Um, I don't know what the deal is. So I, I wrote back, I guess, you know, he said, I guess I'll contact the post office unless you have a better idea. And I wrote back, yeah, I guess that's the best thing to do since it says they were delivered. I don't know what else to do. Um, and so a few minutes later, he writes back, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm an idiot or, or something along those lines. We have the cards. Our shipping manager actually is a fan of your show and he took the cards aside to make sure that they went through the process i guess more smoothly or quicker or something like that and somehow that there was miscommunication there and that's what happened so i was like oh you know no problem i just i was just worried that the cards didn't get there and they say they're delivered what am i supposed to do um and he says you know if you don't mind could i call you you know just and and Chris from White Lion called me, and we talked on the phone for, like, over an hour. And he was a very cool guy. And, you know, I totally uh, – we, we were just talking about magic and the new extended and things, just just chatting, like – and I, I totally understood, you know, something like that happening. So uh, within a few days, I got the, the fetch lands. He said, I'll ship them out tonight or tomorrow, and that's what happened. So everything was fine. In the meantime, your, Joe, Big Head Joe, also has uh, an order where you're just selling them cards. You weren't trading yeah. stuff in. Um I just figured, I think I even told you, you know, yeah, like that it just, just wait a little bit longer and things like that. But anyway, this was back, okay, on July 7th, I received my cards. Actually, I received them before July 7th, but I wrote to him on July 7th saying, hey, I got the cards a couple days ago. And um, and so this was a month ago that I received, you know, that I, I got my fetch lands. And so since then... Big Head Joe has been repeatedly telling me that, you know, he's still waiting for the check, and he's written them, and sometimes they've written back, and sometimes they haven't, and I don't know, like, the, the story as thoroughly as, obviously, as I know mine, but it does sound like it's a little bit excessive at this point, where you're not getting replies, you're not getting a check, and what, what was the last things, like, the things that, the communication you've received from them, what, ha, what has it been? It said, like, you know, do you have a... PayPal account, we could put pay, we could put it in your PayPal. I'm like, no, I don't have a PayPal account. You know, he's like, and then when you get to their check, you could tear it up. You know? But it's all indicated that he's that they sent the check. He says they sent the check. Okay, and that was as how long ago was Weeks that that ago. they sent it? Okay, Weeks. I mean, like it's been ten days since I wrote them another email. I was like, yo, you know, still hasn't come. Yeah, I'm I'm really pissed off. Right. I mean, and like I said, I I felt like my situation was. It was an issue, but it it ended up being fine. So I, you know, I give people the benefit of the doubt, and I don't, you know, necessarily. It it all added up to me as far as I was concerned. Like, okay, somebody took it aside, actually, because we do a podcast and with good intentions, and that just things got mixed up and things like that happened. And I, I wasn't like, I need these fetch lands right now. Right, it was right. it was no rush for me. I just wanted to make sure that they got the cards and everything. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm. A, a, you know, a happy customer, I'm fine. Uh, 
and, and like I said, I talked to the guy for like an hour, and he seemed like a cool guy to me, and, right? Well, and everything. So, but you're just having an entirely different experience. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm, 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 this, I'm treating. I mean, I feel like this is like the equivalent of the nice guy 101 thing. Like, I feel like I'm being totally ripped off. I feel like I'm being taken advantage of as a consumer. And I feel like they're not taking my issue seriously. They're kind of just like brushing it off. They're not. Uh, they're not. They're not taking. They're not treating me like. Like a consumer, I'm a, like, like, a, a like a priority at all. Like right. they're treating me like I'm a piece of dirt who like has a invalid complaint, and I'm I'm so mad. Like I wish I there was a way I could like like report them. You know what right. I mean? Well, like, you, you did say you wrote to bid the guy. The people I did. That I just wrote him so. last night, so I haven't heard back from him. But like I was just like, hey, what can I do about this? Because this is insane. You know, like right. Um, I already left negative feedback. Um. And, like, I don't know what else I can do. They aren't treating... You know, they're not giving me what I gave them. You know what I mean? Like, I gave them cards. They've given me nothing. Right. It's like it's like having some stuff stolen from me. It's right. really pissing me and off. And you referred to the nice guy 101 thing. I just... just Since you mentioned it, I just want to clarify what that was. Was on the Magic uh, MTG Salvation message boards, we did a lot of trading. Not so much recently, but... Uh, a couple years ago, back I remember it was like Lorwyn was was big because Muta Vaults and Bitter Blossoms were involved in our trade. Both Joe and I were both trading uh, coincidentally again with the same guy, unknowing, you know, unbeknownst to each other. And it turned out this guy was essentially trying to rip a bunch of people off. He had some kind of story that basically he said he he had to like he went on vacation or something, but his brother was still was supposed to ship the cards out like the other sides of the trades. And his brother instead sold the cards. This was the story that his excuse that he gave, I think. And I ended up again. It's it's a similar situation where I ended up getting at least some of the cards. Like he wrote to me saying, "Okay, my brother sold X and X and X these cards that I was supposed to trade to you. So how about I give you back some of these cards you sent me and some of the cards you were trading for, so that it, you know, to make the deal even again?" And I said, "Okay, that's fine." Even though I think I. I was upset because I obviously wanted the cards I was trading for, not the ones I was trading away. And um, and I got the cards, and I guess, it, again, it worked out fine for me. I had had I had delivery confirmation, so at least I think I had some sort of extra bit of proof, and I think you didn't. Like, you hadn't used delivery confirmation on that, and right. maybe that, was, that resulted in you not getting anything, even though you sent away, like, a bunch of cards. You know, even though you, you just didn't have proof of it, mm-hmm. which, you know, really sucks. Um, but... Anyway, that's why you just said you feel like this is a similar situation where you're you send away your end of the deal and not get the other end back. Yeah. Um, you know, I had an issue last year with another vendor who, you know, they had a tracking number and everything, and the tracking number didn't say my cards were delivered. And I said, hey, these cards haven't shown up, and you can track it, and it shows they just left your facility, and that was the last time those cards were in the system. That was DJ Magic cards, right? Yes, this was DJ Magic now, cards. Now, now, the reason why I, I'm going to go straight out and say that name mm-hmm. is because there was this big, long issue. Let's let's save the whole story. But yeah, like, yeah, that's what I was trying to tell Big, quick. long issue, and then how long... Tell, tell, tell the end so, of the story. So, so, when was that? Okay, this was Alara Reborn was coming out. So these were Alara Reborn pre-orders, right? So... Back in, like, April... April 2009, right? So I placed these order, the, placed the order, the cards didn't come, I wrote to him, he said, I don't know why they haven't come yet either, we have to wait till they're 30 days late to report something with the post office and the insurance company, so if they don't show up by the time 30 days since they've been shipped, email me again. They didn't show up, I emailed them again, he says, um, 
he basically he says, okay, fill out this paper and fax it back to me or send, email it back to me as a PDF or whatever, and I'll file it with my insurance company and give you your money back. Because what had happened was, because I wanted the cards, I just placed a duplicate order. I just said, okay, since I haven't gotten these, I'll just place another order with you and get the cards, and you just refund me for the, for the first order since I haven't gotten them. Or if I get the cards in you know, double package, if I get two packages, I'll just send it back to you. You know, whatever. You know, it seemed like it all made sense. The cards never show up. I file the insurance thing. He writes back to me saying, I have reason to believe that you received the cards and they just weren't scanned as being delivered. Which is like, I, when I read that, I remember my heart like dropping because I'm just like, what the hell is this? I didn't receive the cards. How can I prove to you that I don't have something? And, you know, here's the delivery confirmation saying, and the tracking saying, it hasn't been delivered, and you're going to tell me you think it was, and it's their mistake. Well, it's like, that's, I have no control over this. I'm like, it's, I gave you money. I didn't get the product. The tracking number says it's not delivered. Um, And, you know, I wrote this back to him, like, I don't know what you're talking, you know, what, what to do about this. This is crazy. I don't have the cards. And he's like, well, it's, at some point, he said, it's a moot point. I'm having issues with my insurance company, so sorry. I, I just can't afford it right now or something. You couldn't afford to give me a refund. I'm like, well, that's not my issue. That's not my issue with your insurance company, that you're having an issue with your insurance company. It's not my fault. Why am I the one suffering for this when I did everything as a customer correctly? Right, right. So, so, so long story short, you got the money back eventually after dealing with your yeah, credit card company. I don't, I don't know where the money actually came from. Right, My credit card it. company may have been the one to refund me. He may never have refunded me. I don't know. I, and I'm not, I'm not concerned with right. it. So like two weeks ago, July like 18th or 19th, I get a package. It's those cards. And they're postmarked like May 2009. <laughs> the cards came. And no, nothing on it. It doesn't look like it's messed up, like it's been through around the world, Thailand and crap. You know, it, it doesn't look like, it just looks like a regular package that was shipped out, you know, a week ago and showed up a week later or something and there's no note like no sorry this was lost in the sorry this was lost in the postal system and it never showed up it just was this and I'm just like this cannot be this package like I looking at it I'm like oh my god like what could this possibly be these cards and I opened it up and there they were and it was exactly you know the cards it was supposed to be and so I wrote to him saying hey crazy thing these cards came back I received my refund so as far as I'm concerned, I hold no claim over these cards. So if you want me to send them back to you, I will. And so he said, yeah, he would like for me to send them back. So anyway, I mean, I, I just feel like I, I have no uh, ownership of, over those cards because I paid for the cards twice, received them once, and received a refund. Right. So right. They, I don't own those cards. So. All right. No, no. It's just so, funny that like they came. Yeah. I don't understand. I've never seen that happen. It's just absolutely crazy. But anyway... It all all's well that ends well, right? Uh, right. Hopefully. Right. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm good. And he, if he wants the cards back, that's fine. So we've heard other people having issues with different vendors, and it just sucks that like because of the nature of our game and the prices changing so quickly, it really it, there's a lot of potential to be uh, there's a lot of potential for vendors to intentionally rip off customers, and there's a lot of potential for them to just have issues where it, it can be interpreted as intentional. So, for example, everybody pre-ordering uh, Grave Titan at twelve fifty, and then suddenly it's a $30 card. 
and the set has just come out, right? And so these, all these people that pre-ordered haven't gotten their Grave Titans yet. Well, the sellers could just go, it's a $30 card. I'll take the negative feedback and the $20 per card you know, that, that this card has increased. I, I'll, I'll take the negative feedback. I'll just say, sorry, couldn't ship out your order. You know, we, we, don't, we ran out of stock, sorry. And then they go, hmm, Grave Titans, now 30 bucks. We'll sell, them, sell these copies here. I mean, it's a very attractive thing for somebody to do. It's not, not a very, it's not good business. Right. Terrible business. Yeah. But it's the potential for cards to change in values like that kind of leaves us vulnerable to that sort of thing. I placed an order with one site for Avenger of Zendikar. I, I placed an order for a playset of them at $3 each. I, I, I just deliberately ordered from a site that had like 32 in stock. I was like, okay, they have 32 in stock. There's not going to be stock issues. So I ordered them, and then they, didn't, they, uh, they sent me an email saying we ran out of stock. Sorry. And, of course, at this point, if, getting that email, them saying I, we're out of stock, sorry, I, if I were to decide, oh, well, I still need Avengers, I need to go buy some, they were 12 bucks. So now what was a $12 order becomes a $48 order. That's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I lose. Who loses? Me. Because Why? Because their system is messed up? Because they oversold their stock? Like, that seems totally unfair, and it, it sucks that that kind of thing happens. But a lot of these vendors I've dealt with repeatedly, and they've always been good. Like DJ Magic Cards, before I had that issue, I had placed several other orders with them, and they came really fast, which is why I kept ordering from them. I like their pricing, and I like the shipping speed. Right. And so... Um, I had, know, I this, mean, and I had dealt with White Lion a couple times me before, too, too and right. I thought they were just fine. So it's it's a weird but situation now where now it's it's totally different. I mean like this is the whole thing is unacceptable. Like I'm I'm so I don't know what to, I don't even know what the hell to do about it. Like well I I don't know just at this point just hope hopefully something happens. Maybe something will come of this. I don't know. Maybe maybe I don't know uh I think is I think the name of the shipping guy is Rob. I want to say. Yeah. Um, and so, Rob, if you listen to our show, maybe you can get this taken care of. Because um, uh, it, does, it does seem a little bit ridiculous, or at yeah. least, you know. And not only did they, like, totally, like, rape me on the uh, on the prices, you know what I mean? Like... You mean, like, because... Like, they, like, marked everything down. Like, I gave them, like, $50 for the cards, and, like, they're giving me, like, $38. Um, Are you saying like when you originally put it into the system as what you were selling, it was fifty dollars worth, yeah. and then when you found out what, when they like wrote you back, they said they were only giving you thirty eight dollars. Yeah, which I didn't even complain about. I was like, that's fine. Thirty eight dollars and eighteen cents they owe me. Well, hopefully they do something about it. I mean, but until the meantime, like I guess I, all I can do is just tell our listeners to not deal with White Lion games. All right, it's a, it's a shame that it actually. You know, this kind of thing happens. We've, I mean, and like, I was going to say something about this two weeks ago, and you were telling me to be patient. You know yeah, what I mean? That's and I, true. And I, and I, you know, figured, like, I don't want to, like, potentially ruin a company's reputation or take business away from a company, but, like, right, it's uh, at this point, I feel like I have no choice. You know what I mean? Right. Like, well, it's our job. It's our job as podcasters to, like, tell people that listen to us and that are consumers of this game, like, where they should and should not be getting stuff from you know what I mean or at least at least make the decision for themselves based on you telling your story as truth and letting you know let listeners decide for themselves if they want to deal with a with a company that you know has these sorts of things happen 
That, that's all. I think that's what's important. We don't necessarily need to tell people what their opinions are, but you can tell people what happened to you and let them make their own right. decisions. And that's that's what I think, that's what you're trying to say. Right, and I, can, and I can say things four times in the podcast, like, don't ever shop at White Lion Games. Doesn't mean people <laughs> have to, like, make that decision because I said it, but, like, hopefully if I say, don't shop at White Lion Games enough times on the podcast, people will, you know, maybe get it in their head, even subconsciously, to never, ever shop at White Lion Games. So, um, did I say that enough times? Um, Am I angry? Um, No, I'm not angry. Uh, So anyway, let's let's, let's move on from that because I'm starting to get really angry. Um, I was in a Fallen Empires draft on Saturday, or Sunday, days, they just all merge. (laughs) Um, Oh my god, The, um, the Fallen Empires draft was really good. Um, in a way. <laughs> yeah, well, it's Fallen Empires, but it sounds like, like it would be exciting, or if, yeah. it, very different. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was really good. What were you, uh, what did you, what did you draft? So I drafted a red and black deck. Mm-hmm. Um, I drafted, like, black for him to, I had two him to Turok, uh, two, um, Necrites, one, um, Mind Stab Thrall. You know it's a really good combo in uh, in Fallen Empires Limited. <laughs> the the sacrifice the creature to deal damage mm-hmm. creatures and um, goblin kites. I don't goblin know. kites is like it's an enchantment for a red and one. Mm-hmm. Pay a red to give a creature flying until end of turn. And at the end of turn, you flip a coin. Opponent calls it. If they win the flip, you sacrifice the creature. So you attack with the creature. Right. Use its sack ability. And, you know, give it flying. There's, like, no flying creatures in the whole set. Give it, you know, give it flying. Use its sack ability to do what it needs to do, like, to make them discard or to do whatever, and then you don't have the creature anymore, so... Right. It, you know, it lives. That's or, pretty or, funny. You know, or, yeah, or you get use out. You get it. You get it. It does its job. Right. That's pretty uh, funny. I drafted, uh... I drafted six Brass Claw Orcs. <laughs> I don't even know what that does. The three-two for a red and two... And it can't block any creatures with power one or greater. Drafted six of those. <laughs> Why? Because they attack, man. There's like yeah. nothing with like more than three toughness. So that's what you were thinking. Like, like they weren't. You weren't intending. You might as well have just said they can't block as far as you were concerned. But I blocked them a lot because there are a lot of like one power creatures. Oh, like, okay, cool. It was kind of nuts. Um, no, they actually blocked a couple times. I was kind of surprised. Um, let's see, him to Turox and shit. Uh, bunch of orcs. I <laughs> drafted like orcish spy, orc captains, um, the orc that can't block white creatures with power one or greater and it, you can, it's a 2-2 two, two for three and then you can t- pay a red to give it first strike. Um, bunch of janky cards. I, I drafted an, an Aeola pile or whatever the hell that is. Yeah, Aeolipoli or something. I drafted one of them. It's, it's a shock on a stick, you know, but it, yeah. it goes away. Um, and I drafted a conch horn. Is it conch or conch? Like the shell? Yeah. What is it? I don't know. Come on. You want me to look it up? I feel like it's conch. I think it's conch, too. That's what I've always said, but... It says conch is just like the way it's spelled with the ch sound. Okay. And then somebody else wrote conch. So it's like a freaking forum with people going back and forth, which is awesome. Because, you know, that's always definitive. Right? <laughs> Welcome to our world. Right. Um... It's just mysteries not ready to reveal. <laughs> yeah, we've got definite people going, definitely the hard K. 
So apparently both. Okay, so conch. Yeah. Because I'll say it how I want to say it. I'll make the effort. Yeah. So, um... Conch oh, conch. Horn. Conch horn. Yeah. It's, uh... It, you tap one, tap it, sacrifice it, draw two cards, and put a card on top of your library. I mean, like, it's a draw spell. Yeah. For, like, and it's repeatable, right? No, it's oh, sacrifice. Oh, it's, you said sacrifice. Sorry, I missed that part. No, you, you only need to do it once, but hey, once is better than... How many times everyone else gets to draw extra cards in that set? So, yeah. cool. so who went, how'd you do? I went two one, made top four because it was uh, eight players sanctioned. Uh, That's so funny. Three rounds, cut the top four. Um, so I actually wound up losing to Tim yeah. in uh, the top four. And he drafted black. What he drafted black, black, green, white. Okay. Um, so both games, like okay, we're playing. We go. To th- we play three games. Game one, he goes turn two him to Turok. He gets one of my him to Turoks and something else, and, and my other swamp, my second swamp. Mm. And then he goes turn three him to Turok gets my other him to Turok. I was like, man, like this is like this used to be done in like constructed right. and like in like pro tours, like him him I win him right? him I win, man, like. Serious. Like, I was like, come on, dude. Like, I, I mean, like, of course, I had the two hymns in my hand, too. I was ready to go right back at his ass, but, like... You didn't have a second swamp. You lost your second swamp. I lost a second swamp to him. <laughs> uh, so, uh, it was really funny. He actually had three in his deck, and by you, the way. How many did you have? I two? had two. Just two, okay. Um... It's a lot of hymns in the eight, you know, I guess it's 24 packs, so maybe it's not a lot. I don't know. It was an uncommon, wasn't it? I don't even know. Our Ever. game one took, like... 45 minutes. Oh, God. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, as you can see, my first life change was to four life. What in the heck? Did he hit you for 16 in one turn? Because he attacked me with, like, nine thalids, or nine saprlings. Like, he just, he just like, at one point, because we were just stalemate, stalemate, stalemate. I had him down to eight. All I needed to do was to dra- draw my goblin kites, and I could have just threw three guys in the air oh. and swung in for lethal. But, like, I couldn't get to it. I kept looking with Orcish Spy. I knew when it was coming, but Orcish Spy doesn't put stuff back in any order. You know, it's right. putting back the same order. So I'm like, oh, my God, it's, like, two cards away. And he's like, i got to start swinging now. So he just starts, like, swinging. And, like, he swings the one time. He had a hand of justice. <laughs> and he had three other white creatures in, like, the whole deck. <laughs> so, like, but even being at 2-6 is, like, brutal in that format. Yeah. I was, like... I said at one point in, the, in, in in one of our games, I don't even remember if it was our games or against someone else, but I was like, man, like, I just can't get through this 2-4. Like, there was <laughs> a 2-4 like, on the board. How about a 2-6? There was a 2-4 on the board I could not bust through. I was like, this is so sad. Like, or so game one lasted forever. Game two, right? This is how it ended. Look. Okay. Right there. Me at 20 and him at 1, and then I got it through. Game two, mm-hmm. turn two him, turn three him, Tim, to me. So he hemmed you twice and you won that game? Yeah. Wow. I managed, and, you, and you managed to not lose any life. I managed to come back and just beat face. And then game three was just not even close. Like but how many, did he hem you that game? No, no he, he drew the double him hand game three but had to mulligan it away. Oh, okay. So I was like, thank God, you know, like, but yeah, he managed to win that one. Right. Uh, I can't remember exactly how he won that one. Uh, Thalid was really good for him, though. Like, Thalid is, like, a 1-1. I one, remember one. what that does. It's a 1-1 for one green, and then it, like, makes creatures. Like, it, you get a spore counter every turn, remove three spore counters to put a 1-1 one, one sapling into play. Okay. He had, like, two of those, at least. And those kept, like, getting him creatures, and, like... 
See, when I first started playing, it was, you know, it was winter 95, like January 95, and I remember, I think Fallen Empires had just come out, like, or it had, it had to have been right around there, but whatever it was, before I bought any cards, somebody said, somebody was talking to somebody else, and they were like, haha, Mark went and bought a box, Mark was just getting into the game too. Mark wanted to get into the game, so he went and bought a box of cards, but he bought Fallen Empires. Ha ha ha, and everybody's laughing. And so I was like, I guess that's a bad set. I guess that's bad to buy. And so I never bought a single Fallen Empires pack or anything. So it's it's almost like I didn't get to play that much with those cards, but I remember people playing with, like, Thalid decks. And I just remember, like, rolling them, like, just killing them. Hmm. Like, you know, these decks, like, sport. it was just like... Are you trying to win, or you just want a whole lot of like O ones on the board? Like, doesn't seem like you're trying to win. I'm like, I have force of nature. Like, I'm gonna either kill eight thalads or kill you. You know, like, go ahead, keep making your spores. I'm gonna attack you with shivan dragon. You know, like, what are you doing? It just, I remember that was what I remember of. So I, I heard Fallen Empires was bad, and then when I'd see cards. Like the Thalid theme from Fallen Empires, and the, uh, what were the the black ones ha- ha- were something else? The um, Thrall? thralls, yeah. Like I guess none of those made it ever, to me. They always seemed bad. Like that was it. Just I was like, oh, it is a bad set. I would rather play Homelands, Autumn Willow, baby. <laughs> you know, target spells and then you Baron can't... Senjir. You know, like, oh man, all my stuff is way bigger than your spores. It just never seemed like they ever had anything relevant to me. And like when they, as soon as they put something out that was like a three-three, I'd somehow kill it. Like okay, terror. Now you just still have O ones. I it just never made it. Like I was like, why are people building decks like this? What is it? There, I, I don't. Overrun hadn't been printed yet. You know, where's Eldrazi Monument? Yeah, that would have been I fine. Like, right? I was like, man, I don't have to worry about Overrun right now. Like I was, I was like, like so happy about that. Bad Eldrazi spawn. You know, <laughs> so like. Go ahead. You have a bunch of terrible awakening zones over there. Um, of course, that's not what I thought. That was that would be what I thought if I traveled from the future to the past and played against some um, some some fallen empires decks, or just played this Sunday at the uh, or apparently just played fallen empires played draft. during this fallen empires draft, right? So um, that's pretty cool, though. So um, we played F and M this week at a different store than usual because you didn't run a tournament. Yeah. But, um, but I I just wanted to give a shout out to. Uh, to Richard Murphy, one of our listeners came up to us and oh yeah, so uh, he was playing a mono red deck. I didn't get to see it in action. You didn't play against him either, did you? Mm, no, I didn't. But uh, but no, he he apparently made top eight, and I guess he won. He was in the top four, I think. Yeah, he definitely made top four because he said we all split. It was like two in the morning. Oh so, yeah, yeah. So he's playing devastating red. But uh, but hey, Richard, thanks for uh, thanks for saying hello because you know I don't know. If, I think that's the first time we've had a listener like locally say something that didn't already know us. Right, right. right? So yeah, that was definitely cool. really cool. He's like, "Hey, are you the guys from Yo MTG Taps?" So it was like, "Cool." He said he uh, heard about us from listening to Monday Night Magic. Oh, cool. So, um, and he saw us on the list on the I guess the M- the MTG Cast list of podcasts. So pretty cool. Um, so we're gonna get into this later because later on we have a we have a guest on the show, Mr. Scotty Mac. Mr. Scotty Man. Uh, we're going to put that later on in the show. We already recorded that part, and we're going to talk a little bit about our FNM experience. You you talked about yours, but I only talked a little bit about mine, like the White Weenie got deck that I played against. Mm-hmm. But um, well, I was playing Blue White Control, basically the Sun Titan build that Wafo Tafa played. 
I, and I, I mentioned this on the, in a conversation with Scotty Mack, but like I, I made top eight, I was tied for first, and had to drop. So that kind of sucked. But uh, but I was I really liked the deck, the blue white kind of Sun Titan control deck, just for the fact that I was able to stabilize like multiple times, and it's just it impresses me when I'm able to go down to one and then just take the control of the game from there and not lose. So I'm like sitting there, I was playing against vampires, that was the, the game that I actually went down to one. It was kind of a, you know, he was more, kind of mono-black control, but he had some creatures, he had an Obnixilus in there and stuff, and he played that, um, what is it, Piranha Marsh? And I'm like sitting there, I'm at one life, and I know he's playing Piranha Marsh, and I'm trying to mind sculpt him because he had gained so much life, because I had him keep attacking Gideon, but he had Vampire Nighthawk. So he's like gaining two every turn, and I'm just you know, take two off Gideon, put two back on Gideon. So Gideon's sitting there just staying alive just fine. Vampire Nighthawk's doing nothing, but he's at like 43 life, or he was at like 30-something. He tendrils of agony one of my walls for like 8 life or something. Tendrils of corruption. Or tendrils of corruption. I keep saying tendrils of agony. Too similar. Actually, let I'll back up a little bit. So I'm at 4 life, and he, he has one card in hand. He plays Obnixilus, but no land in his hand. And I'm like... You know, great, he doesn't have a land, but if he top decks a land, I'm at four, so it's going to get close, especially if he top decks like a fetch land. So, uh, I, I couldn't counter it. I had Essence Scatter, but I had just tapped out. I have five lands. Uh, in my hand, I have Jace, the Mind Sculptor, Essence Scatter, and some other stuff, but nothing to remove Obnixilus. The only thing I could do was, I was thinking, alright, I can play Jace, I can hope to top deck a land, play Jace, bounce the Obnixilus, and counter it on the way back down. Um... I top deck a spell, and it's not a removal spell, and I'm like, crap, I can't, I, I, I don't know what to do here. I have to get rid of that Obnixilus, so what I'll do, I'll force him to replay it. At least that way he can't do something else on his turn, because he's only got like five lands anyway. So he, uh, I, bounce, I play Jace, I just have one mana open, he bounces Obnixilus, he draws his card, plays Obnixilus, land, puts me to one, and I'm like, oh god. So I'm at one life. And this now I have the Essence Scatter with the Jace already on the board. So I bounce it out Nixilis again, and so I could counter it the next time it came down, yeah. which is ended, what ended up happening. So I'm at one life, but he's at like 40-something from Vampire Nighthawk attacking Gideon repeatedly. And I'm like, as long as I keep fate-sealing him, I know I'll make it. And uh, I'm at one, at one life, I'm like, the only thing that I, I just need to keep making sure he doesn't draw a Piranha Marsh, because I, I can't counter it or anything. So I, I did see a Piranha Marsh on top once. I, I was just like, gosh, I can't believe I have to put this on the bottom, because otherwise I'm leaving him land, because like he's, he's got nothing. I'm like, I can't believe I have to put this on the bottom, and I did, and I managed to win. Like He had me at one life for forever, and I just pumped Jace up from... He was on one counter, because I had bounced out Nixilis twice, so he went... You know, you started on three, two, one, and then, and then you're two, like, five, seven. It's like know. steeple guide me to my heart and home. Exactly. It was uh, it, it was great. <laughs> you know, I, I Jace is ridiculous. Like love can last forever with that card. You know it. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I just totally took control of the game, toppled him to the earth, and that was it. And. Uh, I just was so impressed with the fact that I was able to do that. Every win that night, besides one, was mind sculpting people. I've never went through a you know four or five rounds just mind sculpting for every win. It was pretty impressive. So I had a really good time. 
I just felt a little crappy afterwards because I had to leave and uh, before top eight. So another uh, topic that seems to be uh, pretty hot right now is the uh, the Magic Hall of Fame Pro Tour Hall of Fame ballots came out recently. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, <laughs> you seem like you're distracted by Twitter, so I'm trying to get you into the conversation. Yeah, like yeah. There, like, go ahead. Look, you've <laughs> done it before. I've called you out on it like in episode like what seven? Like you're deep in thought. I forgive everyone. Good. Don't worry about it. It's okay. So. Um, I think that, uh, Kibler needs to be in. Yeah. By, like, for sure. Nassif's on this ballot, right? Yep. Nassif should be in. Pretty sure. I'm actually curious about that, but I'll, I'll look up the details while you talk. Um, I don't really, like, know much about some of, like, the older players, honestly. Yeah, the problem is, like, we weren't following the pro scene in, like, the 90s and even, like... Even somewhat like the early 2000s. I think the the, the brothers OMS, yeah. they've been around for a long time. Right, right. And I don't really, like, know those guys. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know who they are. And I've, I've definitely heard, uh, I've definitely heard references to Steve OMS, but I never had any idea what anyone was talking about. So, the players new to the 2010 ballot are Akira Asahara, Jan Doyce, Willie Edel, Eugene Harvey, Ken Ho, Richard Hohen, Kazuya Hirabayashi, Anton Johnson, or Janssen, Shu Kamuro, Antti Malin, Quentin Martin, Antoine Menard, Katsuhiro Mori, Matsuhiko Morita, Chikahara Nakajima, Gabriel Nassif, Ryu Ogura, Mario Pascoli, Yaron Remy, Johans Sadegpour, I believe that's how you pronounce that one, Tomoharo Saito, Jonathan Sane, Guillaume Wafotapa, Rude Warmenhoven, and Shota Yasuoka. See? Now, this is how I would wind up doing this. Right, so these are the new players. So, there's a lot of players still on the list. Right. So, like, Scott Johns, Mark Justice, Mike Long, Steve-O, Mahoney-Schwartz, Chris Pakula. Like, those guys have been on the ballot since 2005. And, um, I mean, I don't know. All five of those names that I mentioned, Scott Johns, Mark Justice, Mike Long, Steve-O, MS, and Pakula, are names I know. And they're from Magic's past when I wasn't paying that much attention to Magic. Uh, I mean, at least the pro scene. So as far as I'm concerned, they're famous enough for me to know about them when I wasn't even aware of them while they were playing. That seems kind of significant to me. That's not a... Base your Hall of Fame ballot on that. But it just seems like um, kind of interesting to me that these guys haven't already made it in. I mean, Mike Long, I, I understand he... He's like basically Magic's first villain, or at least first kind of major villain, because he was uh, he had issues with cheating, and um, and kind of like mind games and things like that. If you uh, if you take a look, like Google Mike Long, and probably have to add in like Magic the Gathering somewhere in there. <laughs> Sounds like it, yeah. Yeah, um, you can probably get a good handle on some of the things that happened with him, some of the controversies and things, but. Um, on the flip side of it, you have Pakula, who was very adamant against cheating in the game, and he made, uh, you know, he kind of championed that cause, um, trying to get the game to be more uh, aware of the kinds of cheating that can happen, and and just trying to make the game a clean game. So you have, you know, kind of 
one of the game's biggest villains, maybe the biggest villain ever in the game, if you want to consider him a villain, but that's kind of the way he's looked at. Um, and even, I, I believe Mark Rosewater may have written a column about why he is voting for Mike Long, because he felt the game needed villains. Now, it's not necessarily this guy's evil or something, but the thing was, people wanted to watch just to just to root against him. You know what I mean? He's like the the team that everybody wants to root against. It's it, give, it adds drama, right? right? So so that was that. But so on one side you have Mike Long, who's the, the game's you know biggest villain, and you have Chris Pakula, who's one of the game's biggest kind of heroes. But you know we don't have a vote, and I don't know how many of our listeners have a vote. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know who listens to us that actually have votes on the Hall of Fame, and I'm pretty sure that if they do, they're, they've they got a good enough handle on who they want to vote for, and, and we're not going to do any good convincing anybody. But uh, I think just just looking at it, do you look at this list as just a group of names and pick the, the five that you want? You know, the, the other thing that's kind of a, a strange situation is... Under this system, and it, it was revised, I think, last year or two years ago, um, the, uh, under the new system, a player needs to get 40% of the vote to get inducted in, which means there can be more than five people, even though everybody only gets five votes. If somebody shows up on more than... If, if six people show up on 40% of the ballot, then all six of those will get in. Unfortunately, last year, that, that also means that less than five people can get in. Steve OMS had 34% of the votes last year, and so he didn't make it in, even though he was the fourth highest, because he didn't make 40%, 40. right, which right. sucks. That makes, you know, that makes sense. That's how they do it in, um, in baseball, And too. that's probably where well, they... Baseball's even a more rigorous standard. It's like 60, 65% of yeah. the ballots. Like, there are some years where, like, one person will make it in. You know yeah, what I mean? It's, I, it's weird. Like, I, don't, I guess I've never followed... Hall of Fames in any any genre, so I don't know, uh, you know how exactly it works, but it seems weird. Like I don't know what I would consider. I feel like if I know somebody and they're a good player in a in a sport, baseball, football, or Magic, then they're famous. Then they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Like that's just off the top of my head. Like well, obviously they're good, right? Like people know them and they've consistently they've been around for years, not just some random one person that like, you know, like um. What's, what's the name of the guy? See, I already forgot his name. Uh, the guy who won Worlds in New York in 2007. What's his name, right? He, Chapin came in second. I remember him. <laughs> but what? Uh, what's the name of the guy that beat him? I have to Google this. It's, it's what I'm saying. So here's a we guy. We were there. We were there. We watched it happen live. We, you know, he won Worlds. And we don't know his name. So he doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. We know the runner-up's name. Right. <laughs> and uh, Nassif was also in that top eight. Uh-huh. So I'm just saying, like, Peleg. Uri Peleg. Ah. So he seems to have kind of disappeared. So, and I don't know that he... I, I don't think I had heard of him before that. Look him up on Wikipedia. No, no result on uh, Wikipedia. I mean, he's in mentioned in articles, which is World Championship, you know, 2007... He became the first Israeli to not only reach the top eight, but also to win a pro tour. Like, that seems significant, except that I don't... Like, where is he? Like, so I don't feel like... I mean, I don't mean to harp on him, but that's an example of somebody who seemed to be like he was at the top of, you know, the world. Pardon the pun. But, you know, as far as magic, you know, the biggest pro tour of the year, he wins it and then disappears. So, 
I, like, I can't see him deserving a slot in the Hall of Fame at this point. Now, if he showed up again and started doing more, obviously that would change. But we don't have any sort of influence over over anybody's votes, but it's something interesting to follow, I think. And I, I, I become more and more interested in, in it every year. So, uh, And a lot of different people have been publishing their ballots uh, and making yeah. them public. Because you're, you're, it's up to you whether you want to be public about it or, or not. Um, Mike Flores has published his ballot on 5withflores.com, so definitely you can check that out. Um, BDM didn't publish his ballot yet, as far as I know, but he wrote an article about it on um, on the week that was from uh, from the other day. It was uh, mm. from August 6th, so last Friday. Um, so if you want to check that out, that's uh, Hall Monitors is the name of that article, and that's on the mothership. Nice. Um, and... Uh, so there's there's two people you can check out. You can check out uh, the Starkington Post, and there's some other people that have published their ballots. So the uh, the inductees will actually be announced uh, at Pro Tour Amsterdam the week of September 3rd to the 5th that weekend. So um, so in a couple of weeks we're gonna know who's in. It's pretty interesting, and um, so something something cool to follow, I think. Um, just something else I wanted to mention. I kind of want to play Legacy now. That's all. No, um, the reason for that actually is I, I read uh, Mike Flores' article on Daily MTG this past Thursday, and uh, it, it was Top Decks. Arnold Palmer was the name of the um, was the name of the, the column, and uh, because it was a mix of Legacy and Standard, and of course, like so, I'm, I'm reading it, and even though I'm not interested in Legacy, I read it and I got interested in Legacy <laughs> because like it just looked like such a fun format and. On top of that, Evan Irwin's recent episode 200. Congratulations, Evan. 200. Episode 200 of the Ooh Magic boy. Show. Boy. So, uh, so he's like a Tennessee Titan. <laughs> Just saying, like he is, man. He's like a Tennessee Titan, man. Right on. No, I mean, like he's like way up there in terms of like I know. Stature. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be a pun. It was supposed to be literal. He's a Tennessee Titan. He's I, a damn I, Titan from Tennessee. Agreed. Evan Irwin, you the man. All right, so congrats to Evan. His episode 200 also made me want to play Legacy. Like, the players were talking about it, and, and everybody seems to be saying the same thing. Like, it's so much fun because you can play anything. There's really, like, no actual metagame. Because there's so the, the format's so wide open, you could play against almost anything, you know. That just literally anything in Magic's history is is there to play. You know, you want to play Affinity? Go ahead. Play Goblins? Go ahead. Play Zombies? Go ahead. Like why not? Yeah, Fairies? Mystical teachings? Well, I'm just saying. Like it, you have, if you build a good deck, you know whether it's Zombies or goblins or fairies or affinity, oh yeah. Uh, you know, you you still have the potential to win games. You know what I mean? Just because your deck isn't isn't an accepted part of the metagame doesn't mean that you can't win. You can. The thing that's attractive is being able to play any deck, and I'm more interested not necessarily in building a whole new deck, be you know using all these things, but I'll just freaking take my affinity deck because I feel like playing affinity. What would make this deck a little bit better? Like a couple cards here and there, but mostly it's just the same affinity deck I played in standard. You know, something like that. Or goblins. I, I want to play my old decks. That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah. You know, so that's what's more attractive to me. So even though I have 
the go option to play all kinds of go stuff. Go get them. Let's play, let's play Goblins versus Affinity right now. I, play, I would, but I have to go to sleep. Yeah. I can't be late. We'll do that next time. Yeah, I know. I, know. So, I can't uh, be late. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll wrap this up. But the last thing we want to do, of course, is our contest. We, uh, we had that contest, and today we were going to announce the winners. I'm going to randomly generate a number right now. So we didn't get 30 comments, unfortunately. Right. Man, you know what? I just, I'm sorry to totally cut you off. I just feel like we've been recording for so long yeah, that like the sun is out and up and down again. Like, <laughs> I just feel like we've been like recording for so long. Like It's just ridiculous. We could make this last forever. I know. <laughs> so I'm going to randomly generate a number to decide the winners... That's right, winners of the contest, because we decided we're going to give away the YoMTG Tap shirt anyway. I randomly generated a number, and the winner is uh, Dosu, is the name of the person who, uh, who commented, and, and is the grand prize winner. And grand prize is basically choice between the Arch Enemy t-shirt, large, or a YoMTG Taps t-shirt, whatever size you need. Um, so Dosu will get, to, uh, will get to choose, and the next winner is Bruce Richard. So Bruce and Dosu, uh, if you haven't contacted us yet, and I'm going to write to you on the Star City forums, I'll send you a private message. Um, Dosu, you need to tell me what you prefer as far as the Arch Enemy t-shirt or the uh, Yo MTG Taps t-shirt, and Bruce, you will get what uh, what Dosu doesn't want. You'll get the leftovers. Sorry about that. <laughs> so um, congratulations, guys, and we'll be having another contest pretty soon, I'm sure. So uh, we definitely appreciate all the comments. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and stay tuned to listen to our conversation with Mr. Scotty Mack. There were a couple of Nationals tournaments this weekend, but I didn't talk about them. Spanish Nats and I think Hong Kong. Yeah, Hong Kong Nats. Anyway, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't follow too much like, of the results of those. Have you, have you looked at that at all, Scott? It's pretty interesting, the the Realm Razor. It's like, hey, I'm about to rotate, remember me? <laughs> and then everybody's like, oh, yeah. There's no problem with him, right? If, if you draw him, you know, when you don't want him, he's absolutely miserable. But if you can get him at the right time, he's backbreakingly good, right? Yeah. So I, I think with the Fauna Shaman, being able to silver bullet it, it's really good. Smitty, I know, has been, uh, has been playing a lot of the um, Nyak, uh, and stuff, and he's been doing pretty well. He really enjoys it. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of Smitty, I heard you and him have been chatting, and you have a little bit of an announcement to make. Yeah, what's your announcement there, Scotty Mac? You got something you want to tell everybody?
uh, or commit to in terms of time. So I, I basically gave him a call and said, hey, you know, um, looks great, want some help. And, and so that's, so the first one I think is going up. So it'll be up by the time you post this cast. But uh, basically I'm, I'm going to go through and talk about my experiences with um, my most recent brew, my Super Force deck. And uh, it's um, unbeaten tear through my, uh, my FNM last so, so if you guys haven't checked it out yet, 60cards.com, and, uh, and, and, and tell the site. That's what I can say. Yeah, the Ch- Chapin has written uh, an article for 60cards.com, and uh, it was an interesting one, too. I like yeah. I like that kind of content. I really liked that. It's, uh, you know, they've, got, they've got a hell of a staff now. Yeah. So I like uh, Scotty Mac's profile picture on, uh, on 60cards.com. What is it? And any picture I was going to put up there, it had to be one where I was wearing the towel. That, awesome! Yeah, that's badass. That's uh, badass. Sleeving up, uh, Flore- sleeving up, Jund. Right, Flores is Jund. Right, monster right. truck, Vengevine monster truck. Yup. At the uh, GP. Pretty awesome. I think that's really cool. I, I haven't read your your little bio yet, and I'm not going to do that while we're we're uh, recording. But I'm going to read it in a little while. After we're super. We're, we're super excited for you. Yeah, we really are. Super duper excited. Like, very cool. Um, and I'm pretty excited about it too. So, uh, wow, it seems like everybody's... Last week we had the... Well, two weeks ago we announced doubling season for, you know, the doubling season guys. And then, like, last week it was... We announced m- that it was back to quiet yeah. speculation. <laughs> doubling season moved back to quiet speculation. But Medina being a uh, premium writer on Star City. And now this week we have Scotty Mack on 60 cards. What will next week bring? Tune in next week to YoMTG Taps to find out the harrowing truth. Can I, can I talk real quickly about one article that I, I did find online that I found really awesome? Definitely. Beautiful. So over at uh, um there's an article that's up there by Kenji Samura, and he talks about standard and, and things like that, and I thought that was all really neat, but there's one bit at the end of the article that really kind of like pulled to me, and I think that it's something that uh, no one's ever really done, and I think that, that this type of... of um, counseling or, you know, pro advice, I think is really what, what we need to have uh, a little bit more of um, in, in the, the, the marketplace of, of data today. So he goes through and he talks about how to properly play Jace the Mind Sculptor. And it's awesome. It was a really good read. I mean, it's, it's complicated and I mean, it's, it's kind of tough to, to capture that accurately. Um, you know, just based on a state-to-state basis, right, uh, depending on where your game state is. Mm-hmm. But he did a really awesome job. And uh, me and Kenji's great anyway in, t- in terms of, you know, he's a fantastic player. And anytime you get sort of that window into into that mindset, I think it's really valuable. So, yeah, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different um, lists in here, too, like from, Austria, from the, a lot of the NATS results, some of the older stuff you guys have talked about already, like Canada and Australia, um... And uh, I think there's a couple of others through here. But once you get through all of that, and France is in, in here as well, once you get through all of that is when you get into the Jason Mind Sculpture bit. And it's just really cool. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to take a look. Um, so uh, I guess let's talk about the Spanish Nats since we do actually have more information about it. Anibal Carbonero is the uh, Spanish Nats champion. And he, um, as, as Scotty Mack mentioned, he was playing like a Fauna Shaman Naya list with uh, with like a Bane Slayer, um, one Obstinate Baloth, one Kasali Pride Mage, one Realm Razor, one Stoneforge Mystic, one Sun Titan. So like the toolbox 
But then, of course, four Vengevines. Rubray! Four uh, braid elves, um, as Joe just said. I call them Rubray! But uh, I don't know, it, it, that does look like a really solid list. He's got two of Johnny Vengeance in there, too, which is kind of cool. Um, and a Basilisk Collar just for the, the Mystic to search up. And then uh, and he's got Cunning Spark Mages, too. Which, he's running three main deck and then one in the board, so I guess he doesn't have to um, necessarily Fauna Shaman them. Uh, so, you know, that that way he can, I guess, use his Fauna Shamans on something else, but he can if he needs to. Use his power. Well, often than not, when you're when looking at the, the Spark Mages and this sort of build, they're basically Cascade targets, so you, you kind of want to hit those off of your Blood Braids. Yeah. More often than not. Um, and that way, that's the best way to get value out of them. I mean, paying three mana for a pinger, even though it has haste, seems just like a really horrible mana investment until you obviously put it on the board and then you realize how much damage and how much reach you're getting out of it. But you really want to be hitting those off your blood braid because they're a far better hit than a bird, for example. Yeah. This really reminds me of um, kind of like the, the lists that originated as the Jerry T. Nia lists that came out right before GPDC, um, that qualified, like, BDM and uh, Gavin Verhey, both for Nationals. Um, It reminds me a lot of that, but now it's got the Fauna Shaman, you know, thrown in there, the Fauna Shaman engine, I guess. Uh, Not like a Spark Mage would resolve with a collar on the table, or vice versa. Or, uh, what, against your deck? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know what, We, we, uh, we haven't talked about your deck yet. We talked about it before we started recording. But do you want to talk about it? Yeah, sure. Why the hell not? So, um, I've, I've been thinking about Mono Blue. I mean, like, I kind of, like, you know, Joe obviously has been thinking about Mono Blue because <laughs> he's Joe. He's wearing a blue shirt right now, for Christ's sake. Um, and, like, so I've been, like, I was like, man, you know, I kind of want to make Mono Blue work. And, like, so me and Joe had been, like, you know, talking about it and discussing it over the last couple of days. He pointed me towards... Conley Woods' article on uh, brainburst.com and um, and they were uh, talking about you know how to make a mono blue deck with Eldrazi's and stuff like that and there were a couple things I pulled from that deck that I really liked mostly narcolepsy actually yeah well it's like blue removal right exactly and it just seemed good and like so I, I tried the Eldrazi build of it and it was okay but no, it's more like Con- Conley's build played what one of each Eldrazi, didn't he? One of each Eldrazi, then like four Temple, one Eye, um, and then just a lot you know, of others. I think those were his only creatures, weren't those they? Those were his only creatures. He didn't yeah. play like Seagate Oracle nope. or anything. Okay, and I just felt like it wasn't doing anything. Like you know what I mean? It was just way too slow. I mean, granted, the deck he posted wasn't really tested. Right, he was just making a suggestion. Right, I think. so I, I took the suggestion and ran with it a little bit. Um, so after you know Joe and I's discussions and looking at that list and other stuff, here's what I wound up coming up with. I just read the go, ahead, go down go the list. So four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So twelve islands, um, four gargoyle castles, three tectonic edge, one mystifying maze, three misty rainforests, three Halimar depths. That's the lands. Twenty six lands, three all is dust, three brittle effigy, four mana leak, um, one deprive, one essence scatter. Two Jace's Ingenuity, and I know I'm not reading this in any particular order, whatever. Four Ever-Flowing Chalice, four Jace the Mind Sculptor, one Jace Bellerin, two Sphinx of Dwar Isle, three Cancel, three Wall of Frost, and three Narcolepsy. And the sideboard is an Ulamog, 
two mind break traps, an essence scatter, two negates, three flash freeze, three relic of progenitus, and three mind controls. Now, um, it seems it seems pretty damn good. And uh, I started out like we went to F and M. I went to F and M with it. First game I played with the deck that wasn't goldfished was round one. <laughs> Playing against your next level Bant deck, right? My next level Bant list, uh, I lent it to to Gary, yeah. And you guys ended up getting paired for round one. Yeah, of course, I got paired against you anyway. Um, right, sort of, yeah. You ended up getting paired, even though you didn't play against me, you played against my deck. Yeah, pretty much. So like, uh, I had no idea what I was doing with this deck, and I lost. And then round two, I literally played the worst round of Magic I've ever played in my entire life. Who and what were they playing? They were playing like a blue white control list. And uh, I don't remember the kid's name, unfortunately. Jason. Look how I started writing my life totals after a while. Does, they're not even legible, like, numbers or letters. I was just, like, writing them right-handed. I was just so frustrated. <laughs> I was just like, whatever. Like, I am so dead. This is so stupid. <laughs> like, I, I've never deserved to lose a match more in my so, entire life. What were they playing, did you say? They were playing a blue-white control build. Okay. And, um, and so here's what basically happened. Like, I apparently forgot... Like, I was my first game of Magic. I had never seen a counterspell played against me before. And at the same time, I had counterspells in my deck. And I was like, what the hell? What, do I put counters on spells? How does that work? Like, I couldn't quite figure it out. So, like... So, two games, you just just got rolls? Awful. I mean, look at, look at, look at... He ended game one at 20. He ended game two at 30. Well, wow. I was at, you know, and I just got my ass handed to me. What was he? It was blue white control, but it wasn't. It was more a tap out version, or was it? Th- I mean, you obviously had had counter. He had counter spells. Um, I just had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how to play against him. Like I just like felt like a total idiot. Yeah. Um, but then I then I figured out the deck after at, at O two. You figured at O two, I figured it out, and I wound up going three two due to a couple drops. Yeah, including me, right? Which we mentioned earlier. Well, you just well, high-fived over. Uh, yeah, I, I had the drop to go to work. I made top eight. I was tied for first going into top eight, but I had to leave to go to work, so I had to drop. So the silver lining was that Joe came in eighth place after I dropped. Yeah. So I uh, was able to, you know, make top eight and, and then go ahead. And then, so I went to top eight, and I played against um, a guy running blue green titan ramp and i beat him handily in two games uh on the back of wall of frost and it was really great and sphinx of Jwar isle which he literally said i'm losing to bad cards like sphinx of Jwar isle like he was being a real jerk i was so happy to just like stomp his ass in two games like he didn't get a single game in on me and he had, like, a whole bunch of, like, expensive cards in his deck. And I just kind of whooped him pretty good. Uh, <laughs> and it was it was fun. Like, I think the lesson there is, like, you know, don't be a jerk. I don't know. I had I had four Wall of Frost out against him game one. And he was like, uh, and I was like, I've got a whole room of Frost. I've got a room of Frost. And just, like, being a jerk about it because he was being a jerk. Um, but anyway. So, yeah, the, the logic, obviously is uh, Wall of Frost is good against Titans, and everybody's playing Titans. Well, not everybody, but they're set, certainly around quite a bit. Right, and Narcolepsy is good against Titans, too. Right. Um, How's Gargoyle Castle been? Not against Titans, but Gargoyle Castle is great, actually. I mean, like, if they have the removal, they have it. 
it's almost always gonna like draw out a tectonic edge or something like that. Which like if they have it, they have it. And like, right. it's pretty good. Like I, I liked what you were talking about earlier, Gargoyle Castle with the with Sun, Sun Titan. Titan. Yeah. Yeah. So many times I I was using Sun Titan to get back like tectonic edge and arid mesas and things like that. Um, yep. But there's a lot of times where I'm just like I don't really want my other, I don't want to fetch land, but that's the only permanent in the graveyard. I have like mana leak, condemn, and all, all this stuff. Jace's ingenuity and like I don't have any other permanent, so I'm like I guess I'll just get back a fetch land. And you know I'm at five against a red deck. I don't want to use this fetch land either. So uh, I, I kind of like I like the idea of having another land that can. Um, that you can get back, although I, I haven't actually put it in my deck yet. But even if I just put one copy in, it seems like it could be just just one more thing to get back with Sun Titan. Um, I, I, I gotta ask that. Really. <sighs> okay, so Valakut, generally top match for you, the blue light control player? I have not played against Valakut ever. I don't think. I think months ago, before Blue White Control was even around, I want to say like when Zendikar was the current set was like the last time I played against Valakut. Okay. You... So I gotta ask you. So, so really simple. Okay. How many Leyline Infected here in your side? Mine, none. Okay. Probably okay. because I've never played against Valakut. You know, <laughs> I only own one. But even Red Deck. Uh huh. We were, so you wanna, you're, you're a, 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 a white X control player, and you're looking for a good card against the deck, but you're an idiot not to play them. I'm sorry, I'm not calling you an idiot, I'm just making no, it general. You, you should. No, no it's I'm all good. <laughs> no, see, here, two things. No. One, Joe has something to say about that, because we were just playing a matchup. We were just uh, talking about Blue Line of Sanctity, too. Right, and we were, we were during, we played a matchup of Blue-White against Red Deck, and, um, and we were talking about this, but... Before before we get into that, like aside from a couple matches at like last week's FNM against Joe playing mono red, where I got horribly mana screwed, and you know, which anytime somebody gets horribly mana screwed, there it's not really you can't really use that as indicative of your matchup, right? Like every other deck I played in that tournament that was like mono red, which there were several, I had no problem with without ley lines because I have. Flash freezes and core firewalkers, and it seems like I I just have no problem like beating red decks with just that stuff. So it's almost like as good as Leyline of Sanctity is, and as much as I would like to play it, I don't know if I even need it. Although you're right, like I could, it could actually be better than maybe I should, you know, dump the firewalkers and play Leyline of Sanctity in in their place. You know, I, but. I, I think that he's got to wait. Valakit's the same thing. Like, Valakit players that are listening to this, if 
you don't have three back to natures in your sideboard, look again. <laughs> the ley line will kill you every time. The control players are playing flash freeze. They'll just counter your titan. Trust me. I do it all day. <laughs> With the ley lines, man, your your gold is invalidate so many cards. Nice lightning, by the way, right? Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Lightning's a very good uh a good card to not, you know, to, to, to get stuck in somebody's hand and, you know, make a dead card. It's kind of fun. What do you think, uh, somebody somebody brought this combo up on Saturday uh, when I was uh, hanging out, you know, nothing serious, just playing in a sanctioned Fallen Empires draft. Um, <laughs> what do you think about uh, this combo? Leyline of Sanctity on your side, right, with Jinxed Idol. Pretty awesome, right? Yeah, it's especially yeah. if you're playing a, a deck that can, uh, you know, that just has expendable creatures or plays like Vengeance. I almost want to like build a deck just around those co- that combo, like yeah. Leyline of Sanctity, and then like fabricates for like Jinxed Idols. Just search up Jinxed Idols and just like Seagate Oracles, Wall of Omens, and then just keep pitching them to pass the Jinxed Idols. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a terrible idea. Like it, kind of, you could play like a next level Bant list. I feel like with that, like because. You just mentioned the the original next level Bant list had Wall of Omens and Seagate Oracles and things to do that with, um, and you can run Jace. You might not even need to run Fabricates if you're digging so much, like with Wall of Omens and Seagate Oracle and Jace the Mind Sculptor. And you play Vengevine, and you can use the Ven- be like, I've got two creatures in my hand. I'll sack the Vengevine to give it to you, give you this Jinx Idol, and I'll just get the v- Vengevine right back anyway. Yeah. So it's, you lose, like, nothing but some tempo. And you could right? also run Sun Titan to bring back the Jinxed Idols if they manage to get rid of them. You could if you want. Yeah, it's suddenly, like, Fauna Shaman Jinxed Idol Leyline Bant level next. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, played, uh, I actually played against a Beastmaster Ascension deck that sideboarded in, uh, when I was playing my Esper uh, Control, actually, uh, Conley's Abyssal Esper, God, that deck's retarded. Um, anyway, so he, he sideboarded in Jinx Idol against me, and it was just one of those cards. It's like, wow, if I don't grab an O-ring, I'm dead. It was, <laughs> it was really bad. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. Like, I, I think it's worth trying to play it. I mean, especially against a control deck. It's, uh, it's great, but it seems, seems like people aren't really using it too much. or not talking about it too much. Like, I don't know, I don't know exactly why. It's just maybe because it's an older card and it didn't seem doesn't seem as splashy as some of the new cards, but, uh, I mean, to a lot of people, it's a new card, so, right. I, mean, I don't know, but it's, it's something. Um, you reminded me, when you t- were mentioning the, uh, the Ley Line of Sanctity thing against the red deck, how you kind of just invalidated, or not against the red deck, against the, uh, the Migram deck, yeah, you reminded me of FNM two weeks ago, uh, a guy showed up with basically, well, I mean, it was a totally rogue deck. But it was it was fun. Like I had a lot of fun playing against him. He seemed to have fun too, even though he lost. But he uh, he was playing a deck entirely based around like mind control and um, clone and right of replication. So he either wanted to like copy my creatures or steal them. So I was playing blue white control, and I didn't have Sun Titans in the deck at the time. I had Bane Slayers. And, like, game two, I just sided out on my Bane Slayer, so all he had to copy or steal were Wall of Omens. And he was just sitting there, like, what do I do? And I just jaced him, you know? Like, it was just such a funny situation. Because he says to me, he's like, 
gosh, I kind of feel like if you even have any good good creatures, you probably should just not play them. I'm like, I sided them out. <laughs> I sided out my good <laughs> creatures. <laughs> uh, yeah, I figured that's what your deck's based around, to you know, copying my good creatures. Like, he didn't have... I don't even know if he played, like, Sphinx of Dwar Isle or anything. I think he had Wall of Omens. Oh, you know what? No. he. I think it was Mono Blue. Or no, it was Blue Black, but he didn't really have any black creatures. I think he had, like, a couple random black spells, but, like, Doomblade or something. But it was, like, Wall of Frost and Clone. Those were his creatures. <laughs> so I'm like, have fun with your walls, you know? <laughs> so that was fun. He also... In game one, he mind-controlled my Baneslayer and, and then attacked, and I just mystifying mazed it and got it right back. Nice. <laughs> it was like, oh, that's a good way to get rid of mind control. Yeah. And, uh, oh. he you know what, actually, that Baneslayer reminds me. When you were playing your blue-white control against that field of red decks, Baneslayer was your kill condition of choice at that time, right? Yeah, well, see, my idea, and I told Joe this, too, was uh, because of Combust, I was playing Baneslayer's main... So game one, I'd have the Bane Slayers, then expect them to side in Combust, so I'd side in Sun Titan in place of the Bane Slayers. So now Combust is just, you know, is one damage short, so they have to use something, you know, an additional card to kill the Sun Titan. It was just an idea, and I never got to use it, because every time I did, like, whenever I was playing against Red Decks, I didn't draw the Sun Titans. Except, I think, against Joe, when I had a Tectonic Edge and a Planes in play <laughs> the whole game. So, of course, that didn't really matter. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I didn't get a chance to actually use that strategy, but that was the idea. So what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say that seems solid, because the reason I asked is, you know, Bane Slayer seems also to be a pretty good way to, to race the red deck, right? I mean, if you weren't having any issues with them, between Flash Freeze and Bane Slayer, you may get there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of feel like I wish sometimes I had the Bane Slayers instead of the Sun Titans, because I'm like... Cool, I have Sun Titan, but I can't gain life, and I'm at three, so as soon as he top decks a Lightning Bolt and I don't have a Counterspell, I'm dead. You know, something like that. Like, I'm like, great, every turn I'm getting back Wall of Omens to help me dig for a Counterspell, but, you know, I, against them. Uh, you play any O Rings in there, or Jerry's or anything like that? Yeah, I have O Rings in there, but it seems like I've never had an O Ring in the graveyard. It seems like people just O Ring my O Rings, <laughs> like the times I've, I've gotten a chance to use them. I mean,. What I mean is, I've played O-Ring, and it's just sat there the whole game, and they never got rid of it, or the times they did get rid of it, it was with another O-Ring. So I'm like, it's I haven't yet to actually get uh, O-Ring out of the graveyard with a Titan. The the best I've done, I think, is get back Jace Bellerin. Like, that's, that's which is fine. You're busy. Or, uh, or Tectonic Edge is good, too. What <sighs> about, you're playing Wall of Omens, yeah? Yeah, Wall of Omens. I mean, I've gotten that back, that's good, too. But, uh, like, we were just playing, now, I think we started talking about this a minute ago, about your red deck and Leyline of Sanctity. Yeah, so, so um, I've taken your warning about Leyline of Sanctity seriously, okay? My, my red deck is totally not a dog to it. Like, my red deck, I can, I'll, I'll run down the list real quick. It's a, some, some lands for each of Teetering Peaks and Smoldering Spires. Um... Two brittle effigies, four hell sparks, four bolt, four burst lightning, four ball lightning, four ember hauler, two cargan dragon lord, four hell's thunder, two inferno titan, four goblin guide, two chandra's outrage, which doesn't uh, t- 
target the opponent um, and takes yeah, out a wall. Right? And, and takes out right and takes out wall of omens. Um, uh, two of those. Uh, I think that's basically the whole deck. Yeah. So I mean, it's like mostly creatures. I mean, it's got the four bolts and four burst lightnings, but you know they can be used to take out blockers too. Yeah. No. I, you know. I and mean, if that's the build of red deck you're going for, then absolutely, you're you're totally good against the leyline, right? That that's fine. In that case, core firewalker is probably. Yeah, and, Fireball, and, but I've, I've even got Brittle Effigy for that. And then my sideboard is three Jinxed Idol, one Brittle Effigy, three Active Trees, and one Combust, three Earthquake, and four Leyline of Punishment. So, um, I mean, like, I feel like this deck that I'm working on kind of, like, avoids some of the problems that, like, a lot of red decks are going to be facing, like, post-sideboard. The cool thing about... Right. Yeah, and the other thing, I mean, it, it, Jinxed Idol fits perfect in that deck because you just sack your uh, unearthed guys. You're going to lose them anyway, right? right. You or, know, or, yeah, or just sack like a. You know, it doesn't even have to be like when they're unearthed either. It can right. be like just when they are going to die at the turn anyway. You know, right. That's what I mean. You yeah. have, you have those unearthed guys and you that are going to die at the end of turn and ball lightning. Yeah. You know, things like that that are going to die at the end of turn anyway. So you sack those to give them give away the Jinxed Idol. That was the first application of Jinx Idol that I heard about, and I thought, that, and that was the reason that I bought it. I was like, this look, this sounds perfect for those kind of decks, and I think there's other applications as well. And Vengevine is the first, like the first creature that keeps uh, popping into my head because sacking a Vengevine isn't, especially when people want to path Vengevine, right? So you have a Jinx Idol in play, and they try to path your Vengevine, just sack it. So now they didn't even get rid of the damn Vengevine. They got a Jinx Idol now that they're going to have to take damage from or, or get rid of by sacrificing their own creature, and you cost them a path. You know, so I feel like it's, it works really well with Vengevine. Um, you know, because that, that's the thing. With Vengevine, like, what do you want to do? Like, when you're facing Vengevine, you don't want to destroy it. You want to O-ring it or journey it or path it or condemn it. You know, and, and those are all things that... Um, you know, you'd invalidate those by just having the jinxed idol. Personally, I like to mana leak it. Well, yeah, go ahead and mana leak it. I've done it. I've <laughs> well, done I, it I think a it's bunch good. Times. It's I think stupid, it's, but like. Well, it saves you damage that turn. I, I don't think it's necessarily yeah. entirely stupid. I'd rather hinder it. So, I'd rather narcolepsy it, frankly. But well, uh, narcolepsy works pretty well too. But again, here, jinxed idol takes care of narcolepsy just fine. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's okay, true. you narcolepsied it. I'll just sacrifice it, cast two creatures, get the vengevine back again. So it's kind of like I just want to build a deck around Jinx, Idol, and Vengevine. <laughs> um, so, uh, oh, what the hell was I going to say? I don't know. We're really uh, harping on this whole Jinx, Idol thing today. It's kind of funny. Uh, it's, it's a cool card. It's a cool it card. To, I like I like exploring like the different things you can do with like certain cards and kind of obsessing over those cards right. for a little bit. Like, well, that's the whole thing about deck building, right? You have find a card that you think is interesting and try to build around it, and sometimes it ends up being, hmm, I'm going to build around Vampire, Hex, Mage, and Dark Depths. You know, like, as silly as this combo may seem, I'm going to build it. Oh, look, it's a freaking ridiculous extended deck. You know? Yeah. It, you never know. Like, I mean, Tooth and Nail, when I first saw that, it was like, huh, that's never going to happen, right? And, of course, it didn't until, like, Affinity started getting banned left and right like all kinds of cards from affinity but then tooth and nail was actually a good valid deck 
You know, I was just reading the article on that Aaron Forsyth wrote about banning Skull Clamp the other night. Oh, really? It was like, why did we ban this, and what was the story? How did this happen? It's because they totally missed it. They just missed it. Like, it started off as such a bad card, mm-hmm. like, their original versions of it, that, like, they, like, fixed it, and, like, and, and they just, were like, they didn't test it or anything. It was, like, just at the, on the verge of the release of Darksteel, where they started, like, someone put it in a deck, and then, like, they're like, man, this is pretty good. Like, because, like, like, they had already let it go through, because, like, the, the other versions were so comparatively bad... And they thought, oh, this card isn't going to do anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then, so, so, and then one day, I forget who he said, but somebody was like, I think I'm going to try putting Skull Clamp in my Affinity deck. <laughs> like, in R&D. And, and then it just turned into Affinity, it turned into Skull Clamp versus Anti-Skull Clamp. And, like, really quickly, their metagame just shifted to that. And they were like, this is ugly. Uh, hopefully people won't notice. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were like, yeah. hopefully people won't catch on. They shoved it out there, and people caught on. Yeah, and the first results that they said they saw the top eight, like the first top eight that they like studied because they were really worried about it. There were only eight copies of Skull Clamp in the top eight. So they were just like, like, oh, it's that fine. Deal. So then the second top eight they had that they saw, fifty eight out of a possible sixty four. Oh my god, Skull Clamps. <laughs> Wait a minute, there's only 32 in the top eight. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait. So you must have been, must have top, been the top 16. sixteen. Yeah. Top 16. 58 of a possible 64 in the top 16. That is nuts. It, but yeah, there you go. Like, it's just funny to hear the story of these cards. Like, how they how they evolve and just become what they become, right? And, and I really... I would love for them to... Uh, like, if... Like, there's got to be cards out there that were, like, kind of ridiculous in future Future League and didn't break out into standard. And I almost feel like after rotation, they should be like, hey, nobody noticed this, but this was nuts in our, you know, in our future future league. And nobody played, you know, Vengeful Rebirth with whatever, you know, and like something like that. And it, that it might have been a really neat deck. But also that could. I know it could affect like extended, extended and things like that. But I, I'm just saying, like, so what? They So they tell us? Like, what? What does that do? Like, so everybody makes the deck, and maybe it's not as good as they thought, or maybe it is? I don't know. Obviously, they weren't going to print something that was as ridiculous as, like, Jund in their future Future League. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think they would be, like... I mean, if they found something in future Future League that was ridiculous and oppressive, they wouldn't have printed it. So, uh, I think, if they were to just say, these were the decks that were really good then those decks might just be really good. They are not going to be, like, oppressive or anything because they, uh, they've they already been kind of approved and passed along. You know, I, I don't know. Just It's just something that I think would be neat because we don't really hear that too often. You know, because we know they have FFL. We know they play these cards, but they don't tell us how to play them. And I, I respect that. I don't want them to tell us how to play them exactly. Like, this, is, this deck is nuts. Everybody play this. Um... But I think it would be neat after a rotation that... Because it, how how likely is it that a standard deck translates perfectly into extended and is, you know, is as good and can compete with those extended decks? It's rare. Affinity, right. fairies, goblins, like, those are three in the, the history of Magic that I can think of that were, like, block or standard decks that, that, ported, over, that right. ported over into extended. Now, Jund seems like it could do that. Jund will. 
Um, people will at least try it. We're going to see how it does. It'll be interesting, I think. But we, nobody knows right now because the format hasn't been... Well, I'm saying like, Jund was pretty good when, when Lorwyn was legal. You know right. what I mean? Like, Jund was... Yeah, no, I was, that, that's what I was playing Jund too was when Lorwyn was me legal. Me too. Right. You're playing all of the nice tribal lands and you get like Barter Ram Gang and... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was... I, it, you know, like the, the, the free tree death touch guy. Crazy. And not to mention the fact that like uh, until Scars comes out, like for the Pro Tour coming up, Tarmogoyf's going to be legal for Jun. So right. I mean, like, right? But I'm just saying, I'm I'm not saying it's not going to be good. I'm just saying, like, we don't know yet. But it's obviously that one's going to jump, at, and people are going to attempt to play it. What about Jinx Idol with Sprouting Thridax? That seems good. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Jinx Idol again. Yeah, I but, know. This is this is going to be my thinking for like a week now. No, that does work. We play it and play, uh, you know. Jund Idol. That's you should, <laughs> sounds like American Jinx Idol. Jund. Right. Um. Um, yeah, so... Or you could build a red-white-blue control deck with Jinxed Idol and call it American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> I know you like... Uh, yeah, it's funny. You can get that back with Sunset. That's true. <laughs> there you go. I like puns. No, but um, uh, there was something I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah, so totally, totally random. It just got me thinking about it for some reason. I don't even know how, but like I started thinking, and I just wanted to bring this up. Um, do you think they'll ever? Uh, hold on. While you're thinking, oh, okay, never mind. You got, never do you mind. think they'll ever uh, reprint a whole set? Like, do you think they'll ever put an old set into standard? Like, that would be really interesting. Like, oh, and uh, the set that's coming out in like in April is fifth Arcadian Mask. <laughs> yeah, it's like what? Really? Like they're just gonna like like just re-release an old set like I mean, like and just put it in the standard environment now like just you know kind of just surgically insert right. uh, blast from the past like all of a sudden apocalypse now you know what I mean like apocalypse again <laughs> apocalypse again you know like do you think that could ever happen? I don't think they would because I just think that they've. I think they've almost. It's almost like what, when we take decks and we put them together and we tweak them here and there. That's what Wizards has been doing with Magic for fifteen years. So it's like, I don't know that they'd go. You know what? You know th- this. It, we should just throw these bad these cards that we long ago decided were were bad, or or we're going to replace these cards that we've decided were better with cards that we. Decided were worse. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel. It, I mean, that's a weird analogy. I know what I mean, you mean, though. No, like, I, 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 know, I, I, the way they would do that is by printing another Chronicles. Haven't they said they would never, ever, ever do that ever again under any circumstances? No, no. I don't want like. A, see, that's the thing, though. I don't want like a, a Chronicles. You know, like I don't. I, I'm not. I don't. I'm not like talking about like printing like picking and a choosing, compilation right? of sets mi- released as a single set because that's not flavorful at all, really. Um, you know, like, I'm talking more about just, like, taking a set, let's say, let's say Chronicles, or no, not Chronicles, god damn it. Cold Snap. Let's say, sure, let's say Cold Snap, and then just releasing Cold Snap again, like, in, like, three or four years. Just going, here's Cold Snap, like, what, we've already had Cold Snap, yep, here it is. Like, put it out again, just, like, putting it, like, you know what would be really fun in the standard environment right now? Fucking throw, throw Cold Snap in there, you know, just put some vinegar on it. Like... <laughs> You know, I feel like that's what happened with Cold Snap in the first place. They were like, "Hey, let's put Ice Age back into standard." Yeah, and they Cold 
It sort of was. Like, I loved Cold Snap. Everybody, I, like, totally hear so many people rag on Cold Snap. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody else say they love Cold Snap. I love that set. Man, I'd, I'd love it. You know, I mean, I've pulled my collar up and faced the cold on my own. You know, I would just do that, <laughs> you know? I just love that set, though. Like, Oren Viper, um, with Mouth of Ronum. I love, like, cards like that. Um, what else? I don't know. I, uh, the... What was the Yeti? The, the oh my god! It was like the three three that came into play and and snow covered Yeti or something. <laughs> I don't remember. But no, even Snowlands and things like that. I like the snow mana, the concept and things. I I love that set. What's that? It's really strong and it's good. Yeah, it just I feel like scrying sheets. Like, scrying sheets was fantastic. You loved that card. Yeah, so I just feel like there were uh, there were a lot of fun cards to play in that set, and I just I don't know why people rag on it so much. I, maybe it just didn't have the impact as other sets. I, I don't know. I don't know what people disliked about it, but to me it was great. Not only because uh, I just enjoyed the cards, but it reminded me of Ice Age. It reminded me of being like 15 years old and when Ice Age came out because of the flavor was so similar. I mean, obviously it was intended to be similar. Like, I really enjoyed that. Right. So, um... I mean, you know, it's all kinds of different sets that have come out over the years, you know? I mean, like, all kinds of different worlds, you know? We've journeyed here and there and back again. And, right. like... Dominaria. Yeah. Twice. Dom- yeah. You know, multiple times. And and looks like we're going back to... We may be having a hint of a Dominarian theme, which we mentioned last week. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. I don't mean to cut off here, but Sethers waiting on the table. like it's a sleeper as much anymore but i think it was the first sleeper was frost titan because it was the one that everybody ragged on and it's you know it's seeing play but at this point um that's a good question you have any off the top of your head i'm trying to look i'm looking at a list uh, is any is any is any is anyone taking brittle effigy seriously because i'm taking it very seriously i think it's a real card i think it's really really good um and like it, and it fits in any deck. It exiles any creature. You know what I mean. It gets rid of Emrakul. You know what I mean. Yeah. Like it, it, it's. So, it's Joe, you have to exile that when you use it, or do you just sacrifice it? Um, it's it's you exile brittle effigy. No, no, trust me, dude. I would have straight up been like Sun Titan effigy for right. real. And I think everyone would have been, which is, and I bet you everyone who was testing M11 was, and that's why you exile the effigy. Um, yeah. So. uh... Yeah, no, it, it exiles, but I think that, like, the Brutal Effigy, if it's not being taken seriously, really should be taken seriously. It's it's a real card. It's really good. Um, well, that with all this stuff together, I mean, you can really make any monocolor strategy somewhat viable, right? I mean, you basically got now access to four wipes and four direct kills in any color. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat. Um, I agree with that. I like... Have you, you've been playing Mystifying Maze, haven't you, Joe? Yes, um, that card has been really good for me. I played against a um, a mono white equipment deck, 
uh, on Friday and managed to win. We we only played game one and game two went to turns like pretty quickly because we knew we only had a few minutes. Be- even though he was playing this aggro deck, I was playing control, so I kept stopping him and stifling his attacks. He got me down to one, and I stabilized. Actually, no, I think he had me down to two. It was the next round that I was down to one and stabilized against vampires. But, um, so it was really good against the equipment deck because he had to keep re-equipping. You know, he had, like, I would, even though he would get the creature back, like, he had to keep spending his mana every turn to re-equip, and then I would just, you know, remove the same creature. So he had to, like, overextend because the maze was getting rid of things, and, of course, I would just use the maze on whatever creature he had piled more equipment on, and he had to, uh, you know, he had to keep re-equipping it. So it was like he couldn't spend his mana effectively, and it was uh, it was really helpful. So, like, you know, or I would use it on the creature that he put, like, Sword of Vengeance on because it had Trample, so I couldn't, like, chump block it with an Elspeth token or something. So it would be like, okay, the one that has Trample, remove that one and chump block your other thing, and I just lived for another turn. Like I said, I stabilized at two, and I was at two life... For like forever until I ended up winning the game by mind sculpting him, and uh, I just I really like mystifying maze. Now maybe not as like a four of or something. I'm only playing one. And and as me and Joe pointed out earlier when we were talking about this off the record, uh, it seems to be pretty bad against titans. Yeah, it is bad against titans. That's the only thing. So um, so don't use it against a titan exactly. But it's uh. If you're at six life and about to die, it's like, okay, I guess I have to use it against a Titan. It's, true. it's, a, nice, it's a nice card that, you know, keeps you alive for another turn until you find... Until they use that Sun Titan to get a Tectonic Edge and blow up your maze. Right, well, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> if they don't have Tectonic Edge... It, I, it's, it's a land that doesn't come into play tapped and adds mana. You know, it's not like Eye of Ugin that sits there and is like, I don't do anything, oh. you know, for you as far as regular lands go. I'm kind of like an, a free enchantment or something. Um, but, uh, you know, it actually does something until you can use it, until you're ready to use it or you need to use it. And sometimes you just might just add colorless mana the entire game and never use it. But if you're playing a, a mono-color or a two-color deck, you can afford that kind of thing. You know, you can afford just at least one, and that's what I've been doing, just run one in there. And my deck is so... You know, I'm digging so much with my deck with Jace... Bellerin, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Jace's Ingenuity, you know, all these cards that are drawing me more, Wall of Omens, so I'm more likely to find that one land, but I like it. So there's there's two sleepers, I guess, right? Brittle Effigy, Mystifying Maze, two and, colorless answers. And if we want to add a third sleeper, uh, we should add Manaleek, because I don't think anyone's playing with Manaleek yet, and I think that people just don't realize the power of the card um, you know, there's a lot of things, I mean, like, you know, it seems like, you know, late game, it's not as effective, right. but like, it's a terrible card. Yeah. I mean, so like you might not <laughs> want to run four copies of it, but like, you know, maybe like as a two of maybe in like a blue, white and black deck, like, you know, um, but no, but seriously, uh, what we were talking about earlier, I just thought it was funny. I, I had a game at FNM against a Grixis control deck and we were talking about, he was complaining that that he had just uh, he had just played against blue white control, but this version didn't have many counterspells that he was playing against. And I was like, oh, I'm all about the counterspells. I didn't really like tap out control, um, you know. But since they printed mana leak, I'm all about. I'm I'm so glad they printed mana leak because I can play counterspells. And he's like, oh yeah. He's like mana leak's good. He's like unless 
you know, he's like, it's not so good late game unless somebody taps out for, like, an earthquake or something and doesn't leave three mana open. I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, obviously. ultimatum for seven mana, you dumb like... Right, well, no, here's what happens, though. I mean, he was a cool guy, and it was so funny because he ended up being the one to point it out, but he says, he's the one that says, uh, unless somebody earthquakes and doesn't leave mana open, and he proceeds to earthquake for, like, 11 and leave nothing untapped, and I mana leaked it. He's like, oh, my God, I just did exactly what I said at the beginning of the game. <laughs> he must have had, like, 11, 12 lands on the board, and he just tapped out and earth t- trying to earthquake me for the win. And it was like, and I had just thought in my, you know, to myself, wow, this mana leak in my hand seems really useless because he's got all kinds of mana over there. Uh, I, I couldn't figure out any way that I was going to end up using that mana leak until he just next turn taps out for Earthquake, so I thought it was funny. Um, so. I, my, my card that i got to pick is, uh, and I don't know, you can argue with me all day whether it's Sleeper or not, but after playing with it, the card that is, is going to change the format is, or is changing the format as much as uh, mana leak is, is Destructive Force. That okay. card is backbreakingly stupid. It is, it is able to wipe out most of the mid-range decks that are in play right now and completely reset them to practically zero. Um, well, you know, and if your deck is designed around playing around it, you leave yourself in such a fortuitous position that it's, it's not even fair. Like, it, it feels like you're doing... Oh, the first time that you, like, removed somebody's library with Jace, or the first time you, like, plus two and left it there, and you thought, wow, I feel untended. Yeah. Um, impotent. <laughs> um, I'm like, impotent. Obnixilus? It's like... Uh, it's like the same feeling you get when you drop a destructive force on a Naya deck that's not playing Night of the Reliquary or just doesn't have to have one on board, and you completely blow out his entire position. Like, yeah. Or Junk doing the same thing. Like, that feeling is irreplaceable, and that card is, is ridiculous. I definitely played Wildfire back when it was in Standard, and I loved it, and so Destructive Force already was, like, something I was on board with. I wasn't sure if it was going to... I just didn't know if it would apply to the current standard because, you know, you, we've seen cards be reprinted or similar cards printed in current sets and do nothing, like Meddling Mage. Like, it was huge when it was in standard, and it's still a 2-2 now. It doesn't, it's not even as big as it was. Oh, it was a 2-2 back then, too. The cards yeah. were just way oversized. Oh, that's what it was. No, but yeah, it, it, it made such an impact before. I think it's in Power Creek, right? Because, I mean, you got to look at it this way. Like, back in the day, Lightning Bolt was you know, the, the, the big removal card. So if anything had four in the four in the butt, it was it was a good card. Like it was it was resistant to removal. Like Wildfire Emissary from Mirage, like Pearl White and four in the butt, it eliminated lightning bolt and sword supply shares, which are the two, you know, major removals at the time and completely invalidated them. You look at, you know, Wildfire which was dealing with four if I'm not mistaken, and five was you know, four four flyers used to be the north. Mm-hmm. Now we're looking at like Bane players and five serious question yeah did you just say four in the butt on our podcast (laughs) yes (laughs) 
Wow. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Wow, we're just taking it to new heights. You know what? Hold on a minute. Hold yeah. on a minute. Yeah, go ahead. Tom and those, Tom and those guys have said, have said two in the butt before. So, you know, why, why is this any different? Oh, no, no, no. We're not complaining. No, we've always got to step it up. You know, like, we've always got to, like... <laughs> We've always got to challenge Monday Night Magic. Like, oh, I don't even want to try to challenge. No, we, we got, we got, no, 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 no. No, we always got to challenge Monday Night Magic. They want to go two in the butt. We're gonna go four in the butt, and that's what's up. Yeah. All right, all right. Seriously, you can make this last forever. I'll let you guys Say know. It. Thank you very much for the opportunity to have me on the cast. I love talking with you guys. Every opportunity I can. Um, don't forget to check out sixtycards.com, and uh, I will hopefully talk to you guys soon. Yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot for being on the cast, Scott. EOMTG Taps is available every Friday on StarCityGames.com. You can also find us on MTGCast.com, O2Drop.com, TheSarkingtonPost.com, ManaDeprived.com, and 60Cards.com. Visit our website, IWantMyMTG.com, for past episodes, t-shirts, free stickers, and more. You can contact us at YoMTGTaps at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at YoMTGTaps.